Alberto Diego is in the studio thanks to makingmedia.com.au. Hello, Carlos. How are you there, Kev? How are you going? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, now, can we just talk back to the weekend performances of our two Melbourne sides? Yes, so well, uh, let's, let's go the uh, the more recent one, uh, the Melbourne City game. Uh, of course, the Melbourne City, all the fans are there saying they've arrived as a club and they're a club that uh, really have proved themselves now against a very, very good West Sydney Wanderers, a 3-2 yep. win uh, at home and uh, with some just great performances from the likes of David Navillo, uh, sorry, uh, Harry Navillo and also uh, Bruno Fornaroli and, of course, their goalkeeper, Thomas Sorensen. Uh, Aaron Moy. He's had a great year. Uh, he has had a great year, fantastic year. And uh, and I think, you know, with the question, have they arrived? Are they the real deal? I think they are. I mean, they scored too many goals. They've got too many great individuals in that side. Uh, but what concerns me a little bit, uh, just a You've little bit. You've always got a concern. Just a little bit. And I think, uh, you know, if, if the coaching staff there at uh, Melbourne City say that they're not concerned about this, well, you know, maybe they're, they're hiding one or two things. But when Torres, Thomas Sorensen, their goalkeeper, is in the top two players in their games, it means that the other side's having some significant shots at goal. It's not the one save, yeah. it's not the two that makes a goalkeeper you know, one of the best on ground. It's, it's when they're having many, many shots on goal, and that's what actually happened. I mean, if you talk about what they've done, in, I think in the last eight games, I think they've lost one. They've, uh, they've won most of those, drawn a couple, uh, but you, you would find if you go back through those games, there's big slices, big uh, components of those games where they've actually been out-possessed and it's taken them a while to get back into it. But the difference they have now compared to the uh, Melbourne City of old that used to sort of you know completely fall apart at the sign of any pressure is that they've got the likes of Novillo and also Fornaroli. Give it to them and they'll create something. It just yep. takes all the pressure off the other, off the other players. And it's great that it, they, in a way it's taken the pressure off Aaron Moy too, because you've got some really class players in that top third. And it actually, what it does is also give a lot of confidence to the likes of the young kids, you know, Melling and uh, Retray and these sort of guys. So I think, uh, and Jack Clisby's another one who, you know, uh, unheralded, yeah, yeah, unheralded sort of a player who, who they move around a bit, you know, to fill in gaps, but, you know, at left back or in, it's, it's, uh, in the centre of part of defence. Uh, it just gives those young guys a lot of confidence too. So, yes, Melbourne City certainly have arrived and yep. they're certainly a contender. Uh, but I think the fact that they do spend, you know, big, big, you know, chunks of time in games without the ball and, you know, chasing it down and not being able to get possession, yep. uh, I think that might be a little bit of a concern at different times. But if they can somehow turn that around to some degree, I think they're a really scary proposition for most uh, A-League clubs. All right. Melbourne victory. They were dreadful in the first half yeah. of the weekend. Yeah. And look, I, it's, it's, it's a bit of a malaise at the moment, isn't it, with them? You know, they've... they've it's this sort of stodgy type of football at the moment that they're playing. And I don't think, you know, I know Muskie and a, you know, a few other people have talked about work rate and work ethic. And I don't think the work ethic, look, I don't see their GPS figures. So, I'm, you know, I don't know what, you know, what, what they're hitting, but I don't see any lazy players out there. But what it is, is probably a, a mentality or a frame of mind where there's a little bit of arrogance to their football. I think they went into that game on the week, on, on Friday night at uh, Simmons Stadium against Central Coast Mariners, which they ended up drawing three all. They were three nil down, you know, in the first half, which is unheard of against the bottom side. Uh, but it was almost an arrogant 
former football they were playing. You know, playing ahead of the ball, their defensive transition was really awful. They weren't in any sort of position to be able to. Yeah, if if it actually if the ball got turned over, they just weren't in any position to be able to get win that back or defend against that. And that's why you got the breakaway goals and made some of the young guys from uh, Central Coast Mariners who've got a a yard of pace on them and then can finish as they showed uh, they made them look really good second half they sorted it out uh, as a champion team does mm. and uh, in the end they should have won it I mean they, it was 3 all but they, it should have been 6-3 in the end there was, there was two or three yeah. uh, missed attempts uh, and one that I still uh, can't work out. I didn't get the back of the net. I know. at the far pa- When the ball came over at the far pace, there's three of them there. <laughs> it, they just weren't meant to win it in the end. But uh, at some point, at some point, it's got to resonate with them that uh, they've got to recapture that mojo that they've had, you know, at the end of last year, at the start of this year, yep. where their their intensity, and that's what they lifted in that second half, their intensity and desperation. I mean, the way they were throwing themselves in the tackle in that second half, what they weren't doing in the first half, I think that's that intensity we're talking about. Work rate, sometimes that, that's misleading, this whole idea of work rate. Because you're losing, you don't work hard enough. That's not really the case. It's how you work. And, uh, and how you position yourself, especially when you don't have the ball. I think uh, Dave Davutovic wrote about their tackling, uh, the intensity of their tackling being their, their Achilles here early in the week, and he had some stats to back it up. Mm, mm. Um, now, so the exercise you want to do today... Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it got on. me thinking, you know, just it is a real... If those people out there who aren't hearing much about the A-League for whatever reason, uh, you're thinking of getting to a game, well, you've got to get to a Melbourne victory game uh, especially when they're playing well, and a, a Melbourne City game, and watch two players, uh, Bursa Barisha and also Bruno Fornaroli from uh, from Melbourne City. Uh, Barisha obviously plays for Melbourne Victory. And what I'm asking our listeners out there, and I know we're going to get a little bit of bias here, but those neutrals out there who just want to, who look at players and look at teams uh, in a neutral fashion just for the aesthetic of the game and, and just for the pleasure of the game, mm-hmm. who would you rather? Bruno Fornaroli... Or, Bessart Barisha, if you're wanting your team to go all the way and win the Premier's Plate this year in the Grand Final. So if you want a winning team for this season, which one would you prefer? And I'll be interested Excuse to see... Excuse me, any... Mr. Diego, can I have both? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I just, I, I couldn't separate them, to tell you the truth. I mean, they, they both play in teams that they suit. In that, oh, absolutely in perfect, a, yeah. yeah. Bruno Fornaroli um, is fantastic in a team that could be on the back foot, and under pressure for long periods of time, and with the help of Navio, they can carve people up on the break, uh, especially if it's one-on-ones, even two-on-ones with Bruno Fornaroli, with, with his back-to-goal, he can find, he can make something happen. Bursa yep. Barish uh, has had to learn to work in traffic. He's had to score his goals. He's got 10 goals this year. People are saying he's not at his best at the moment. He may not be, but he's got 10 goals this year. Yep. Fornaroli's got 12. It's almost going goal for goal in some respects. So... Bursat has to do a lot of his work in, in traffic because it rarely is Melbourne victory, even when they're playing poorly, outpossessed. They've always got the ball, yeah, true. and so teams tend to drop. So he has to do his work in, in some serious you know, traffic there, and he still has to score his goals and earn things. So he always has to conjure things up at different times. He has scored a lot of goals for victory over the years, by the way, uh, on the break, um, where, where they have, you know, you know, stolen the balls in, in, in great areas for them from the opposition and suddenly broken with Kalfala, Barisha and also Barbarisus. When they're one-on-one in their space, they w- will rip any team apart. Uh, but when uh, when Barisha has to work in a bit of traffic, it's a bit harder, but he's still got 10 goals this year. Who would you prefer? I can't work it out, to tell right. you the truth. Let's, uh, let's get to Dan on the road, who's given us a buzz on 94291116. Hi, Dan. 
Hey, good day. How are you going there today, guys? Good, thanks. Good, mate. I'm a City supporter, but uh, I, I dare say Barisha is the go. He's just his desperation, his hunger. He looks, he looks dangerous all the time. I reckon he... He looks menacing. <laughs> yeah, I reckon he, he makes uh, all the defenders very, very uh, scared. And I, I know coaches would, would uh, plan their, their team structure around Barisha, so... I dare say Barisha would be the go. Yeah, just on that point, look, there's no way that people can argue too much on that because he's very demonstrative the way he plays. He's out there. He almost intimidates people around Absolutely. him at different times. But if you watch Bruno Fornaroli closely, he welcomes the contact from bigger defenders. He welcomes it and he rolls off them and creates something, either assists or turns them. He's done it time and time again. He's almost like a Luis Suarez in many ways. He can play a lone ranger up front and do it happily against two or three defenders, chase them down. He's that all-action sort of forward who's completely focused on his job. At times, I, when I look at Barisha, great player, electrifying at times, but at times I just feel he might be off task. <laughs> he might be sort of you know, arguing with the referee yep. or fighting with a defender or having a crack at the crowd, but that's what fires him up too. So uh, that might, he might turn around and say, well, that's what focused me. So that's understandable too. So uh, great point there, Dan. Uh, but look, I... Yeah, don't don't underestimate Fornaroli's uh, ability to handle the physical stuff too. Um, many of Bruce's goals are penalties pointed out by uh, off the SMS from Yolambi. Yeah, but he scored he scored enough goals to be able, that aren't penalties to know that he's a great player. Uh, a couple of points here, uh, Barisha. He works harder defensively uh, from the Burge Fornaroli every time. Barisha is a big game player. Bruno is yet to prove it. That's an interesting point. Well, over a period of time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's only been given this season, hasn't he? So yeah. uh, we in the finals. We'll see how he goes. But I can't see someone with his game and and the elements to his game how he could suddenly fail. In uh, in in crunch in crunch games, I don't. He's not one of those guys who will fail, uh, or, or fade away, or, or or be introverted suddenly in a game that's important. Like against the West, they really built themselves up for that West Sydney game on oh, the weekend. Yeah, it, that was almost that you could see the way they came out and really dominated that first half. For most of that first half, Melbourne City, they set themselves for that game. That was almost like a final for them. Uh, and they really did uh, uh, put West Sydney on the back foot, especially with their forward pressing. They really caused West Sydney a lot of problems uh, when West Sydney were trying to play out. So I think that's an area of the game that Melbourne City have improved a lot too. 20 past one, uh, Funaroli or Barisha, give us a buzz, 94291116 or your text thoughts on 0433981116. Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio. 24 past one here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio thanks to makingmedia.com.au and the 40 Diego's, of course, Wednesday from 11. That's tonight. Uh, from 10 tonight, Kev. Oh! Yes, and we've got the legend. You may remember this guy, a legend of the old State League soccer in Victoria back in the 60s and 70s, a guy called Ulysses Kokonos in the studio. It sounds fantastic. The George Best of Australian football. Oh, He wow. was known back in the 60s and 70s, all wow. that time ago. He's in the studio for the first hour from 10 o'clock tonight. So tell your friends, it's going to be a magnificent, magnificent uh, hour of uh, football radio because he's got an unbelievable story. Uh, good and bad in uh, okay. in football, and he certainly has lived the uh, parallel life with George Best as far as oh. uh, his brilliance on the field 
and his so-called brilliance off the field toe right. in the discos too. So. Yes. I don't know George Best who famously said, I I, um, <laughs> I gambled away a fortune. I uh, I spent a fortune on women and uh, and drink and uh, and the rest I wasted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Some, that's right. Something yeah. along those lines. And of course, you'll be on uh, on Friday night after mm. the victory and Raw game. That's a massively big game now. Uh, the question is... Uh, uh, Fornaroli or Barisha, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. But off the SMS, Carlos. This is Andrew and Tullamarine. This one, you, you tried this one last week. Carlos, can you please apologise to me now? Four weeks ago, I told Musket needs to be sacked and has no idea. You laughed. I think I'm justified now. Five points from six games. Enough said. Andrew from Tullamarine. Andrew, I'm not apologising to you yet. Mate. You, you know, you send the SMS every week to remind me, and but they're four points from second, okay? They're four points from second. You saw how they came back, and they still got it. It's a mentality uh, issue at the moment, and when the penny drops for them again, and most likely it's when they get everyone back too. I mean, I know the, the Olly Roo boys are away at the moment. Valeri's a huge hole there. Yeah, but even without those guys, they lifted – against the Central Coast Mariners side that really surprised people on the weekend, on the Friday. I mean, the people talk about it was their best game for the... The week before against Wellington Phoenix, Central Coast Mariners are very good at home also. So this is a team that's with talented youngsters. Yes, they've had their problems, but they were talented youngsters who had their, you know, had their... Uh, uh, they had their, their, their tails up after that first half. Did they ever? And, uh, <laughs> but really, second half, victory just shut them down. But they should have won the game 6-3. Six, six, so look at the evidence of the way they're playing. Yes, the results aren't there right now, but it's not going to prevent them from making the finals. If they make the finals, you've got to back victory. Mm. You know, that's, uh, that's the way I, I look at it anyway. Is your expectation that Carl Valeri will play again, or is your expectation like mine is that for looking from the outside, you're thinking they're not making, uh, they're not even talking about it until the mm. 18th to get his yeah. next result back? that as each day goes by, it seems increasingly obvious to me that he won't be coming back. You know, I, Which would the, be the club, pity. Through, through the respect of the club for the guys being clear from day one, and I think part of that also is probably playing down a little bit the seriousness of this. Everyone thinking, oh, well, it's a little bit of a vertigo problem. You, you know, probably a couple of weeks out, start training, we'll be back. Uh, this sounds like it's a, a quite serious problem. And, uh, and of course, the health of the player is paramount here. Oh. So, uh, so if, the, if they're saying they're going to get sort of some sort of indication from doctors on the 18th, uh, which is what this weekend, you know, early next week. Monday on Monday, yeah. So if that's the case, I would think with what he had, he probably wouldn't have been in full training yet. I'm not sure whether he'd been in full training. I've not seen training. I haven't heard anything. Uh, so if he hasn't I been, I think he's tra- been training. Yeah, but I would probably it would be wouldn't be certainly wouldn't be any contact full, yeah, of and any it wouldn't be full on training. So yeah. if he's not been training for this amount of time, what five six weeks, you'd yeah, think that he'd there. have to have a mini preseason of sorts when he's 100. percent so that's uh, well, you know, he might be ready for the just out, you know, on the eve of the finals or something like that. But they really do need him. I think. I think that's been proven. Well, uh, he he filled that great big huge yeah. hole that Milligan left, yeah. and now, now that now that he's not there, they've got a, a, a massive hole. Yeah, and it's I think someone like uh, 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 Mahazi, um, that sort of player flourishes with someone like Valeri around yep. because he's almost like a mini Valeri the way he plays. And, uh, and you know, he's done very well, the kid, uh, uh, you know, when he's been thrown in by Kevin Musket. But it's almost been on his shoulders a little bit, that whole, you know, uh, just shielding that back four and doing that job. And sometimes when there's when the whole team's out of shape and you've got a young guy filling in that role, you really need that leader like a Valeri to show him the way a little bit, maybe just have a little bit of a word to him about positioning and stuff like that at different yep. times. Yep. They were... They 
were really uh, opened up on the weekend, especially in that first half, and they were really exposed at different times. Fornaroli or Barisha? Fornaroli is number one in this discussion, says Dave from Cranman, but he's no Suarez. <laughs> he was Suarez-like. That's all I said. I'm not saying he's a Suarez. Or us Barcelona are knocking down the door right now. In um, in physical terms, in fitting in, Barisha fits beautifully with Costa Barbarousas and either Archie or Ben Calfalla on the other side. Would Barisha, would, would Fornaroli fit in that combination where you've got those nippy little fast blokes? Do you need someone of Barisha's physical... Mm. Uh, imposing uh, stature to be in there when you've got those little blokes buzzing around the way they do. I don't believe from memory Barisha scores a lot of goals from headers. He did score, obviously, on the weekend, the, the equalising goal with a you know sort of a touch on the head, uh, out-jumping a defender in the six-yard box. But he doesn't rise above players to, you know, to head a ball into the top of the net or anything like that. Yep. And Fornaroli is a similar type of player. Obviously, he's not a tall forward, so he's not going to be jumping all over defenders to score a goal at a corner, for example. But he did score a brilliant reflex header from a Navia cross on the weekend too, you know, uh, and that's, but he does his work, you know, in the box by finding space. Um, so I don't know whether the, the physical power of a Barisha is going to give him any more advantage than say what Fornarolio has given the Barisha doesn't score a lot of goals from jumping all over top of defenders and heading balls in, into the net. Yeah, so, that's true. He's not that sort of... Yeah, I just think both players are perfect for their teams, given what they need. I'd love to see a Fornaroli in a team that are possession bullies and where <laughs> the opposition are really, you know, parking the bus, making it really difficult because uh, I haven't seen a lot of that because City don't play that way all the time. So there have been obviously times where he's had to do his work in tight areas and I've been impressed with that. But over long periods of time where... Defenders are able to work you out and play two or three in and around you. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen him exposed to that too much. Josh is in Geelong. G'day, Josh. G'day, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I hey, did you go to the game you? on Friday night? Yes, I did. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for the tickets. That oh, did we really, give you really... tickets? Oh, good. Oh, terrific. You went, and you went for free. That's even better. Yes, it was. Um, we were sitting right near the cheer squad, just uh, two rows away from them. So it was the beautifulest, you know, night ever. Oh, good. Good stuff, so mate. Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, so I would like to vote for Barisha if that's possible. Absolutely. He's not going to win the prime ministership or anything, mate, but uh, you can certainly <laughs> register Barisha. What, what do you like about Barisha? Um, I just, you know, find him creative. You know, he, um, he's, he's like an Archie Thompson, really, if you think of it. He uh, sets up goals, you know, he plays um, in the forward line. Well, not forward line, you know, it's not AFL, of course, but, you know, he plays well in the forward. And I believe he's, you know, a creative player all yep. around. You know, he sets up everyone. Yep. You know, he sets up Archie Thompson when he came on. So if you think of it. Yep. Yeah, I really believe, you know, um, Melbourne Victory this year will be their year. Yeah. All the, right. the, good yeah, on you, good Josh. On you, Josh. Um, the other thing that I think separates them a little bit is f- they both are brilliant. They're masters in the box. Yep. They, they don't, they, a lot of their, all, nearly all their goals are scored in the box. But I've noticed uh, a little bit from uh, Fornaroli, what I've seen him, there's a couple of goals where he scored from outside the box, who curled, curled them around the keeper, just placed them around. Yep. And uh, he scored one of those, I think, on the weekend. Was it on the weekend? Uh, uh, it's been a couple of times he scored goals like that. So uh, he tends to score the odd goal from outside the box, where I don't remember Barisha, uh, you know, I've actually seen him shoot from outside the box and shoot really well, but actually scoring goals, I haven't seen a lot of them. But I'm sure I'll be 
sorted out by victory fans who remember those. Oh, but he, he doesn't strike. He just so struck me as a penalty box expert. Yep, uh, scoring a lot of goals, finding that space, and turning defenders. And what Barish is really good at too is driving at defenders in the box and making something happen. He's yep. fantastic. If he if he doesn't get past them with ball at feet, he you'll tend to go down with a touch. And, and earn something that way. Yes, well, that, uh, Emmanuel and Caroline Springs obviously is uh, <laughs> alluding to that because Emmanuel says, Fornaroli over the diving gypsy any day of the week. 27 to 2, more of Carlos coming up after the break. 23 to 2 here on 1116 SEN. Carlos Alberto Diego's in the studio uh, thanks to makingmedia.com.au. For Diego's at the special earlier time tonight of uh, 10 o'clock. Don't miss that two hour edition. Let's get to Peter Blake, though, the senior meteorologist at uh, the Bureau of Meteorology. G'day, Pete. Hello, Kevin. Uh, 39.1 I'm showing on uh, on the website. What is it? We've got some plus 40 temperatures around the place, I'd imagine? Uh, yes, we have. It's 39.5 we've reached so far at Olympic Park. And, but uh, out of Laverton, we've reached 42.6. Shoot. Moorabbin, 41.9. Scoresby, 42.1. And 41.9 at Coldstream as well. So uh, there's lots of temperatures in the 40s uh, after uh, quite a you know, coolish start. So uh, temperatures have uh, certainly increased a lot today, haven't they? Are we going to get to that 41 or will we go past that? I could even uh, gain, have a bonus degree or so uh, there, oh, I reckon. We'll geez, pro- thanks, Pete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and when's the cool change likely to hit? Uh, cool changes uh, are just about into the southwest of the state there now. That's uh, going to push uh, eastward, probably go across uh, uh, Melbourne area between 5, 8 p.m., probably drop the temperature by 5 to uh, at least 5 degrees anyway. Then a secondary change will come through overnight and uh, that'll um, be the biggest uh, temperature drop. So uh, that'll be welcome relief after after the temperatures today, won't it? And it certainly will. And uh, tomorrow's maximum is uh, is less than half what today's maximum is. Yes. It's, 19. Uh, what a contrast. Uh, 19 degrees uh, for a maximum tomorrow. Suddenly wind, quite a cool air mass uh, coming off the water as well. Minimum 16, uh, maybe a little bit of rain around uh, during the morning as well. May pick up a, uh, up to 5 millimetres, but probably uh, 1 to 3 millimetres is probably the most likely. But uh, certainly cooler, so it'll give it a chance uh, to have the windows open and uh, cool the house down. Look forward to it. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate your time. No worries. Peter Black there, the senior meteorologist on uh, on duty at the moment at the uh, the Bureau of Meteorology. 21 to 2. Uh, Fornaroli or Barisha, let's go to Christian in queue. Hi, Christian. G'day, g'day, lads. Good little discussion we've got going on here. Yep. Um, I'm for... Oh, look, I play soccer. I'm a centre-back. Um, I reckon that Bruno Fornaroli... Uh, Edging back into here with his elbows up and his ass in between you and Paul <laughs> is equally as annoying as Barisha closing you down. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Barisha simply because I think he's the type of striker. If he gets if he gets in the box and he's one too little touch around you, he's got the smarts to go down. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 the worst thing to be playing against. Um, I'm going to go with him. I think he's um, I think they're equally as good as each other, but. Barisha's got a bit more street smart about it. Hey, Christian, got a $50 dining voucher for you for the pizza and grill company in uh, Campbellfield. It's called 13000 Grill. So you can have that for your uh, your calls, a beauty. Yeah, I, I actually agree with Christian because I was a hack centre-half in my day also. <laughs> and uh, those clever forwards... You know, especially the ones that there's two types. There's a Bruno Fornaroli who is just understated, didn't say much, 
but you, but he was just so clever. And you never could find where he was. You could never see, you know, the runs or anything like that. But then you got Barisha, a forward like that who just—it was almost Mark Jackson-like. When he gets his, when he gets his, uh, his, uh, his, he's pumped up and he's in your face and he's yelling and screaming and he's yelling at the referee. And they got their tails up and scoring goals. They are nightmares to deal with because it's like they're supermen. You can't yes. do anything about them. So yep. uh, two different types of personalities, but just as good as each other, I reckon. Anthony's in Pasco Val. Hi, Anthony. So, g'day, guys. Uh, I think I have to go with Barisha just because he's got form, especially in the finals. Yeah, he's a big game player. Yeah. I think another poll you should be taking is Vukovic or Thomas. Well, that's interesting, yeah. There's a lot of questions. I mean, even Danny Vukovic has come out at different times this season and said he's not at his best at the moment. Um, It's interesting why, because, I mean, they're so professional there at uh, Melbourne Victory, and uh, obviously it's a a tight-knit sort of club. I think Kevin Musker coaches them well, even though one or two people disagree uh you're living in melbourne so it's not a hard place to live in melbourne so it's difficult why he hasn't settled as i mean this guy's on his day you know especially in at perth and central coast he's one of the best keepers we've ever had in the a-league yeah. but he and he's okay at the moment conversely but, thomas but, is not a hack that's right thomas well but again thomas is took a, over, a, a took over yeah, last year and did well towards yeah. the end of the year so it's a big decision for them to make it's a big statement if kevin musket makes that but uh but i don't think you get too many arguments if he makes that statement yeah okay uh Thank you, Anthony, for your call in Pasco Vale. Uh, now, uh, we want to talk about the Players Association in, yeah. in uh, AFL is a very powerful organisation. How powerful is the the world game equivalent uh, here in the A-League? Oh, the PFA in Australia, they, they see themselves as, as partners in the game, equal to the FFA. And we saw the... You know, with the big, uh, you know, issues around the collective bargaining agreement, the arguments over many, many months. So, you know, I think those arguments uh, and and the you know, public arguments in the media uh, about not agreeing on a collective bargaining agreement probably went for twelve to eighteen months, and they met an incredible amount of times, and they could not. Uh, they could not agree. And didn't they resolve it only just before the season started or just yes, after yes, the season Yeah, something like started? that, yeah, which is, for me, that, I mean, if that's the way negotiations go, they, they go. But apparently... The steps of the courthouse, it's yeah, called. Yeah, what's <laughs> happened? You know, the FFA probably lost that PR battle, I thought, during that time because the girls, the Matildas were involved. We found out that they weren't getting paid very much. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they were dedicating as much time as the men to the game, uh, you know, putting everything on hold. And they were, they were getting paid $500 a game or something. You know, it was just ridiculous. And so they probably, the FFA probably lost the PR battle at the time because of the girls' involvement and they got what they wanted in the end. But as it's transpired in the last 24 hours or so, uh, you know, there's been some leaked information from the PFA that uh, apparently up to five clubs have uh, uh, sort of um, posed a, a motion of no confidence in the CEO, Adam Vivian. Uh, with the way he conducted the negotiations on their behalf. There's a lot of unhappy players so this, out there. Uh, this is the playing group of five clubs. Basically. Yeah, playing groups of five clubs. And apparently okay. the playing groups of six clubs uh, have not submitted their membership forms, according to media reports, by the way. This is not something I've got anywhere else. According to the media reports, I found this really interesting because it was a very, very combative approach that uh, the PFA adopted in this whole thing. It got ugly at times. I mean, there was a lot of staged media sort of stuff. It was very acrimonious. Uh, but it was interesting that the players didn't appreciate being um, being 
being portrayed as greedy through mm. the whole process. And there's a lot of unhappy players out there too. Oh, you don't blame them for that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether the players are unhappy with the CBA the way it is or you know, what they've signed off on. Right. There are there is some suggestions. There are some bits and pieces in they're not happy with. But I've heard also comments that players are saying it's not what's in the CBA. It was how we got to the point of, you know, where we agreed. We just didn't like to be portrayed that way. So... Very, very interesting state of, state of uh, you know, affairs there at the PFA. Um, I, I've met Adam Vivian. I think he's a tr- terrific guy. I, th- I think he's uh, learnt a lot uh, as, as a leader of the PFA. But when, the, when your rank and file aren't happy with your leadership, especially in unions, <laughs> uh, there's only one winner. <laughs> you know, unless, unless you can convince them, there's only one. Because that, that leadership or that executive is representing players. Yep. They're not happy. Uh, I, I don't know what I don't know what happens when players aren't, aren't happy and then they're not winning and the co- what, who gets sacked <laughs> the players no yeah, yeah. the well, coach well the coach or, does, or but the this is even this is even you know, go a step further because we're talking about the union repre- they're a representation of what the players' feelings and thoughts and and visions are of the game yep. it's not their personal so if the players. Uh, 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 sort of offering they're a, the a, voice of the players that, it's absolutely yeah. so if they're offering a, a vote of no confidence in, in the leadership there uh, I, I think uh, it's very very uh, it's a very very dangerous time for what's unless they can you know do some damage control in some way absolutely but it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting how it's all transpired to tell you the truth alright so 14 to 2 we'll take a break come back Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio thanks to makingmedia.com.au happy to take your calls on 9429 11.16 or more of your text thoughts on 0433 98 11.16. 10 to 2 here on 11.16 SEN Melbourne's home of sport. Rodney Malcolm Hogg to join me after 2. Uh, but Carlos Alberto Diego is in the studio now thanks to makingmedia.com.au. Now we've got the transfer window open. Yep. Are we going to see a lot of activity? We've got four clubs allegedly uh, very interested in signing James Troisi. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, there's talk about who knows what you know. This is all media talk at the moment. But uh, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City, Adelaide United, and also Wellington Phoenix are making a big play for him, according to reports. Um, it's an interesting one with Melbourne City. They well, it's a salary cap issue. You mentioned it to me before off air, uh, Kev. How can how can City or uh, Victory or Victory fit him into the salary cap? Well, I'm not the accountant, mate, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming if they're going to go for him, they can manage it somehow. Uh, the big one that makes sense, even though it's a foreigner with an Aussie, is the Robert Corrin, the future of Robert Corrin at um, at Melbourne City. A lot of talk. Uh, especially since the weekend, about his future. And he whether, wasn't even on the bench on the weekend. Yeah, he was wasn't, he? wasn't in the squad at all, and he has been very disappointing. You know, For a guy of the credentials of where he's played, international football, mm. uh, he captained his, his, his national team in the 2010 World Cup. I mean, this is a, this is a guy who's got plenty of great, great stuff on his CV, just has not produced for uh, City, and even when he has been fit, he's just been one paced and almost just cantered around the ground yep. uh, there's not much urgency to his game don't know if he's been playing injury the whole time so i'll be fair to him in that respect but they're talking about maybe moving him on and that's suddenly that big gap big hole for troisi to come in and that would that would really you start getting to the dimensions of a melbourne victory forward line you know at their best when you get a troisi navio fornaroli moy joining in you're starting to get that that four-pronged uh, completely excitement machine in the fo- in the forward uh, half of the ground. And, Where does uh, he fit best? Where would he uh, fit best? Yeah, good question. And make uh, the biggest impact. Yeah, I reckon he just play a little bit more forward than uh, an Aaron Moy. 
Uh, he certainly look. I think he does his best when you give him a bit of a free roll. Mm. Uh, in his early days at Victory, uh, the, the old free roll sort of almost meant, oh, look, I'll just go forward but not chase back and not participate. And I think Muskie had to do a lot of work to get him. But when he when he switched on and, and was a two way player, he was fantastic. We saw in the Asian Cup that he could do it, uh, yep. and I think he's probably learned a lot from that. And I think. Uh, the, the second version of Troisi is going to be be fantastic. The thing about Adelaide's his hometown, uh, family's there. I don't believe, except for maybe as a young boy, may played for Adelaide City or one of the Adelaide teams before he went overseas because he went over really, really at a young age. Uh, you know, playing in front of his home crowd in Adelaide against a rapidly improving Adelaide team at the yeah, moment. Uh, it might be something that takes his fancy. You'd only go to Wellington for the money, wouldn't you? <laughs> There's, uh, you wouldn't go to Wellington for any other reason <laughs> for, other than money. I, I apologise to our Knicks fans out there, but it doesn't make any sense that he would go there unless it's really, really financial for him. So it'll be interesting. I'm really interested. By the way, he's got the close ties to victory because he's played there before. Oh, yeah. Apparently left on good terms too. So, uh, yeah, he's got to make a decision very, very soon. What about Davey Williams? Great. Yeah, great point. Uh, you know, they had had him lined up with a swap with Osama Malik from uh, Adelaide United. That was what's going to happen. Suddenly he's rejected it, apparently. Again, media reports saying he's rejected it. Yep. And uh, and he came on the weekend, had a go. So I don't know whether he's a sort of player that is looking for a move. There's talk about Wellington Phoenix. There's talking about talk about Newcastle Jets. I think he'd be a fantastic fit for Newcastle Jets uh, because he's uh, a player that um, you know is an explosive type of play. They haven't scored goals in a long, long time over there. Not that David Williams has scored a lot of goals at City, but he he is a goal scorer, and yeah. that's what his job is. Yep. So that might be a big good pickup for them. But he needs to play. He's a sort of player that wants to play. So I think Newcastle Jets or Wellington Phoenix might be good for him. Uh, what about uh, overseas? We've got a few players who might be uh, moving around a bit. Yeah, the interesting one was Tommy Rogic. I heard you speaking to Adam Peacock earlier on uh, yep. as I was driving in, and uh, that's a really interesting one. You know, Leeds United, if they were scouting you 15 years ago, you'd be so excited. <laughs> right? you'd, be so, you'd be Harry Kuehl, knocking on the door of Champions League, second or third in the EPL standings, you know. It, it, it'd be an exciting thing to do. Leeds United these days aren't that sort of club. They, they, they really haven't recovered from the financial disaster they experienced when the Vadukas and Kules were there. It's taken them that long, and they're sort of just around mid-table, just below mid-table in the championship, and they don't look like a club that has is tapping into the potential they have to go higher. So big, big uh, decision for a Tommy Rogic to make. I think he's, he's excelled at Celtic this year. Yeah. After such an injury-ravaged time, he's really excelled. I don't know. Maybe look, unless the the SPL has really, really gone down in standard. I think one that keep on staying at Celtic. He's getting game time. They're playing him at every opportunity. Score, playing national, um, uh, European football at different times. Uh, I think maybe even look at stay. Yeah. All right. Five to two. We'll take a break and wrap it up with Carlos.